I'm Joshua Potts, he's Aaron Potts, super hot Potts, and we're your favorite two black runners coming at you every single two black Tuesday. Yes, sir, back on another two black Tuesday, doing it again here in 2021. Like, bro, like this is hype. We got a lot of good podcasts lined up for the next three, four weeks. And like, Aaron, I'm really excited about the content we're about to give to the people, bro. Yeah, bro, it's 2021 and we're coming out strong. We have some big announcements that we need to make. I can't release the information yet, but we have some big things coming up in the works. And hey, January, y'all know what's after January. It's too black every day. You know what I mean? I'm hyped going on. We got big things coming for sure. And I'm excited with our guests that we have today too. Yeah, most definitely. I don't think a lot of y'all have heard about our guest, but you really should have. And if you have, pat yourself on the back right now because you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job on covering yourself and keeping up with track and field. But if you haven't, she's from Southern California, repping the 909 Upland Claremont High School. She went to Iowa, 11-time All-American, five-time Big Ten champion. And also, she's a 2019 World Silver Medalist in the 200. No big deal. Brittany Brown is on the Two Black Runners podcast. Brittany, how's everything going? Just to start off, how's it going? Hey. Um, <laughs> yo, thanks for the, 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 the announcement you just gave. I appreciate that. No um, problem, no problem. It's going good. I'm glad to be on the podcast. Uh, it's a nice sunny day here in Iowa. A little cold, but um, I'm glad to talk to you guys. Uh, thanks for Wait, inviting me. Th- you said off wax it was 34 degrees. That's a little that's a little cold. That's a little cold. It's at this point in my life, I've been here in Iowa for like seven years now. This is a little cold. Like cold cold is like 19, 10 degrees. That's cold. Wow. That's like I'm scared. Like that's that's cold. <laughs> and coming from the ice from the nine oh nine, I'm I'm like scared for you right now. Like I don't know how you're surviving out there. I'll be hurt. Okay, you, your body adapts. You learn how to adapt. You move with it. You grow with it. True, true. I'll be here forever. Um, so yeah, I'm just here. I'm loving it. I'm here right now. So that's good. And we, we also got to ask, like, the world's in a crazy place right now. Navigating and with training in 2020 and everything like that. How was it just navigating training and just really just on the surface level, how was it navigating training, like the social injustice and like everything trying to get through that during the pandemic? Um, it was hard, you know, like as an athlete, as a black woman, um, as a black person, then a woman, there's so many, and then add in the athlete and add in the other stuff, all those intersectionalities. Um, there was a lot. Um, uh, training, I had to figure out, like, it's kind of hard for, like, athletes, especially, like, track athletes, we train to peak at a certain time versus, uh-huh. you know, meet, and you don't know when you're going to have meet or if you're going to have meet. So, um, that was hard, you know, trying to figure out training and whatnot. Um, track's closed here, so all, mostly all college facilities closed. Um, I was outside in the grass. Um, I was lifting, like, in, like, there's, like, this, like, dirt field by the outdoor track. I had mm-hmm. lifts up there, um, blocks in the gr- um, dirt. So it was just, like, 
I was like, this is real life. I'm out here. Like, this is like, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I hadn't seen, like, you know, a dirt gravel track or training area since, like, high school. And that was like a, I told myself I would never do that again. Yeah. I was back at it. So, you know, so that was different. And then add in, like, uh, the shooting of George Floyd and, like, um, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, just everyone and it was Rihanna Taylor like it was a lot like you know I'm also dealing with you know the running aspect but also the you know me as a black person besides me being athlete first uh, athlete like I'm also a black female so yeah that was hard to navigate like I remember the day after the George Floyd shooting I went to practice and like me and my coach, my coach was black. And me and my coach was just mm-hmm. like, we were just like, I, <laughs> like, what do you, like, it was like a loss of words. Like, uh, I, I did, I didn't watch the video at that time just because um, I just couldn't put myself there. There's a lot of videos I just don't watch. It's rough. Because it's rough. It's hard. Like, it really does affect you. I, mean, I was literally just talking to someone about this. Yeah. Um, we were talking about when they the the Netflix series when they see us, um, and I was telling her I couldn't. The first two episodes, I couldn't. It's like, I couldn't. I couldn't get past the first episodes. Like, I'm either going to be super mm. paranoid to the point where I don't want to leave my house, or I'm going to be really mad all the time, just angry. So there's certain things I just don't watch because I don't want to be in that state of mind. But. Um, during that time, during like March, April of 2020, like we were kind of in that state of mind the whole period of time. We're trying mm. to navigate it because like it was everywhere. Like people were marching and it was on the news, it was on the social media. So um, it was hard. It was hard trying to navigate it. Like you definitely had to set some boundaries. And I definitely had to tell some people, I think a lot of times as like black people, like people want you to talk about it all the time. And, you know, you need to say something, you need to post something. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, you know, whatever you got to do, you do whatever. But also, like, I'm black every day. Like, I wake up and black. I'm black. Every day I look in the mirror like I'm black. Like, you, you don't have that luxury to be like, oh, okay, like, we can talk about this issue the next day. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that luxury. Like, I have to wake up and be black every day. So if I choose not to want to talk about it today, then... So be it. Like, I still have to live my life and be black. Like, there's certain things that you will never experience um, just because you are not, you know, a black person. So there's definitely boundaries. I, you definitely, this year, you, last year, you definitely learned boundaries. Like, the importance of, like, certain things you won't watch, certain topics. Like, there's certain things I just, I, I didn't be on social media before I went to bed because people would be posting videos or just certain things. And then you just go into scrolling the whole night and you're just like, mm. I'm stressed out the whole night. <laughs> like, so over yeah. Twitter posts, you're like, "Dang, like, how am I supposed to go to sleep?" Now I'm like hypersensitive. Like, who? Like, I, the, after the whole Brianna Taylor thing, I was on edge. Like, I was like, I locking my doors, checking it double twice. Like, I was super. I didn't want to go out at night. Like, I was like on edge. Like, so yeah, I think people have to respect that boundary too. Like, you know, there are certain things that will put me on edge. And there's certain things I had to like stop doing because I it's it's good to be aware, but it's also it's not good to be in that state of like mm. scared of everyone all the time. <laughs> so yeah, 
and I like what you said there too. Like you just gotta, you gotta really like set those boundaries and protect your, protect your energy. And you have to realize like that, that, that burden isn't just all upon us, you know, like it's not just our job to, to say things and speak up. And like, if, if you need that time to yourself, like it, it's important to have that. Cause I know for myself, like if I start diving deep into it, yeah. Like I just go from like super triggered to like, I'm just angry. Like I'm yep. just, yep. I'm angry. Like anything could set me, set, set me off, you know, or it's just, yeah. Like not trusting anyone or it's just, it's just a weird state of my mind to be in. Cause you don't know, like you feel like there's a burden on you for like having to have to do something to show your support but at the same time like you're just constantly being triggered by all the things that are going on in the world so it's definitely something that's it's just a weird spot to be in and it's just it's stressful and it's emotionally draining definitely. like it just it's just trauma it's just black trauma passed from generation to generation that we have to keep seeing all this stuff happen so definitely. it's definitely a lot to deal with I was gonna say like um, we talk about being triggered and like going off like it's also like we I have to remind people especially like white people or any other race or culture like I don't have the luxury to go off if I go off like I'm putting my family in danger like I'm putting my myself in danger I don't have the luxury to be like yeah I'm mad at you guys like this country sucks I don't have that luxury because yeah there's a certain time and space where you can speak up and do that certain thing and you know there's a time and place for it but like there's also some instances where you are where you do do that and you put yourself in danger so I don't have the luxury of being in rage all the time and wanting to fight everyone and you know fix I don't have that because if I am in that state I lose my mental sanity I'm putting my life in danger because it's a system that's been here forever and you know you got to take, you know, there's some days you can and some days you can't. But um, some people do have that luxury to go off and be mad and, you know, yeah. not, you know, we saw that at the Capitol, you know, people had that yeah. luxury to go off and be mad and no penalties. They were still alive. <laughs> they were able to say that and get that off their chest without having death, you know, be their final sentence. I don't have that luxury. Black people don't have that luxury to storm a Capitol and be like i'm mad like they would all been dead so for real though like, you know, like we don't have the <laughs> um, but yeah it, it's a weird state of mind you have to be able to make boundaries and whatnot for yourself were you one of those people uh like going into 2021 thinking like 2020 horrible year like uh, like 2021 i'm gonna flip the script 2021 vision maybe i don't know trying to up up the vision a little bit is that how you're approaching this new year um i think you, i think it's more so of a reminder what i want and what i want to accomplish i think 2020 like maybe like there's a lot going on so i think at times it can be like you know you have a lot you know you some things the task or the whatever it gets you know, out of hand, out of whack. So it was just more so like reminding myself, reaffirming myself of what I needed and what I wanted. It wasn't like different. Definitely, there's some new things that I want to, you know, hope to aspire to reach to in 2021. 
Um, but it was more so like, you know, like reminding yourself of your why, reminding yourself of um, why you want to do this, whether it's sports or anything I do, like reminding mm-hmm. myself of that. Because um, I think 2020 definitely made you reevaluate your why. Like, why am I doing this? Like, what what is the purpose behind it? Do I am I bringing a purpose behind it? If I'm not, then what's the point? <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I think that was you know a part of that. I think we all had to reevaluate what we were doing. If it, is it beneficial? Is it conducive to you or to anyone around you? So, uh, 2020 was definitely a evaluation. So now it's reminding yourself, um, training some new ones and. Yeah, it wasn't like I have like a 2020 year, 2021, like new year, I love it, like everything new, like, uh, we still got some same issues going on, like, and yeah. the same issues that I've had, like, you know, with myself personally that I still, you know, but it's like, reminding yourself of why you're fixing it, like reminding yourself of why you're trying to change that stuff, or reminding yourself of your why again, um, it's super beneficial and that's something I really did try to focus on when I was thinking about transitioning and all that stuff so yeah I was gonna say yeah I feel like like 2020 for how crazy it was it it, it kind of gave us all a clearer vision mm-hmm. and it just allowed us to really reflect and be like yo like what really matters what really matters to me you know who's close to me yeah. who cares about me because mm-hmm. when there's just so many bad things going on you know that's when you find it out you know you really I always say like you find out who your real friends are when things get tough and it's the same thing with like your goals or like what you're doing or or what matters to you in your life I feel like when it gets tough that's when it really like starts to shine shine a light on those things and 2020 gave us all that and I don't know if that makes people optimistic going into 2021 but at least you know what you got around you and um, yeah, what, what really matters yeah. matters to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but uh, Brittany, before we get into like the meat and potatoes of this podcast, we got to ask, like, we like to go into like your background and just how you grew up and what made you the person that you are today. And a, lot of, a great question that we like to start off with is like, what's been like, who's been the most impactful person or influential person in your life so far up to this point, if that either be a person in your personal life or an athlete or someone that you look up to, like a celebrity or anything like that, who has who has been those people that have inspired you and shaped you to the person that you are today? I I, I would say a lot of people, honestly, but like a lot of like my friends and my family, I would say my sister, my sister, um, played basketball in college. She so my sister got a scholarship to play basketball at Youngstown State in Ohio. And I always just, like, you know, my parents couldn't afford college, so I I, I wanted a scholarship, like my sister. My sister played overseas. She played professional basketball. Um, And now she's, like, transitioning from, like, the athlete life to, like, you know, regular person, not athlete. Mm -hmm. Seeing how that transition is for her and, like, um, seeing how that, you know, is unfolding for her and, you know, that's, I admire that because I know like transitioning is very hard, especially being an athlete, especially being a student athlete, it's hard. Um, So I look up to her, I look up to um, 
my mom and my dad. My dad's from a different country, so um, my dad came here and, you know, had two kids. My, I have, I'm one of four, so my dad worked. My dad, um, there's one thing my dad does, he can provide. So I never had to, you know, I've definitely had some family issues growing up, but like, you know, my dad could provide and I appreciate that. And my mom, you know, she's someone that had a job, she was working. So like, I definitely get like, so it's very hard for me to relate to to relate not to relate to 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 relate to people sometimes who um don't like understand that like that hustle mentality like i've definitely like if that's one thing my parents have taught me like you gotta hustle so even when i my first year out and like you know my whole like people found out i was working jobs and whatnot like it didn't face me. <laughs> like it wasn't like when people mm-hmm. were like, oh my god you were working a lot of jobs. I'm just like, I don't have a choice. Like, I don't have a choice. Like, I definitely, my parents taught me have a job, keep a job, you know, figure out a way, and that's that's what I have to do. So, um, my family, people who are inspired, my friends, two of my friends, um, two of my closest friends, you know, have been through a lot and watching them go through stuff. Like, they really inspire me. So. There's definitely people out there, like celebrities and stuff, but it's like the stories that you know, like yourself, like of actually your family and your friends, like you look at them and you, like when you're younger, you don't see your mom as like a person, but now you're older and you see your mom as a person, you see your dad as a person, and you're like, oh, like, it's a person just like me, like she overcame yeah. a lot, like, you know, my dad overcame a lot, because like, you know, I think sometimes we get so hard on our parents for like not doing this or that, but it's just like, you look and see them in a total different area, the full scope of them. And you're like, okay, like, I really admire that. Like, I, you know, I know it's hard, but I'm thankful. I I am truly thankful for a mentality. It's just like, I'm going to figure it out. And if I want it, I'm going to get it. Like, and that's it. And that's period. So my, my mom has always taught me, like, um, you don't have to prove yourself to nobody. And not even, like, in a prideful way, but more so in a way that's, like, People are always going to want more. People are always going to mm-hmm. want more of you. And, you know, they're going to think that you're not doing enough and whatnot. Like, so trying to prove yourself to a man is just too much. Like, why live in that state of mind all the time? So, yeah, my friends and family, those, but people around me, learning more about them and what they've been through and seeing their story, like my brothers and, you know, my sister, family, friends, like, those are people who inspire me keep you going <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome to hear like we and me and joshua both come um also come from a family of we have we have two other brothers so there's four of us as well so we understand you know having that that close family and seeing those people around you uh really push you and, and hustle and get you out there to like hustle mm-hmm. um but when did you get introduced into sports and how did you bring that mentality onto the field or whatever sport you started off with um, so I was introduced, uh, I switched schools in like fourth grade. I went to a school, in, I went, I was in the Claremont school district. Um, I went to a school called Vista and they had like a school wide track meet and that was like the first time I was introduced to track. Um, 
I was fast. I was beating everyone, so I felt good. So, you know, a typical track story. You beat everyone, you feel good, so bam. Yeah. I'm going to keep running. Um, so that was like in middle school. So I did fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Um, in middle school, though, I did. I tried to do like a club team. I don't know which club team it was, but I remember going to I was actually practicing at Mount Sac. And this girl, uh, um, she used to- Was it Rising Stars? I I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't know what it was. It was, it was, it was a long time ago, but um, this girl used to tease me because I was faster than her. And I used to be so like, I'm still emotional. <laughs> I stopped running track because she used to tease me. Dang. Like, don't hate, accelerate. I know. Hey, no, you know. hey. <laughs> I was hurt. I don't know. She used to, oh, she used to be mean to me. But I roast you, me. roast you? Yes. I don't know what she, <laughs> I used to be, I'm very introverted, but I'm also very extroverted. When I was younger, I definitely took it upon my introverted side and I didn't know what to say, but I stopped running track in middle school, got back to it in high school. Um. So yeah, I didn't do any other sport. I tried to do basketball, I think in middle school. Um, didn't like it. <laughs> I was just telling someone this story. Um, I was playing basketball in middle school and I was this girl was guarding me and I literally stopped mid game and I told her like to back up because she was too close to me. No, <laughs> like to fight her? I know, huh? Like, like aggressively? You said, like, aggressively? Not aggressively. I was just, like, she was just too close to me. Like, I didn't understand, like, I told my mom, I was, like, my mom, my mom was in the stand. She's, like, well, she's supposed to be guarding you. I was, like, I don't understand why she has to be so close to me, though. (laughs) I didn't think, you know, I didn't try my brain that this is what her job was to do. Um, So I didn't like it because the people were too close to me. Um, Then I just track one lane sport and you know just step with track I, basketball I, I was never really coordinated didn't have a lot of balance I still don't have a lot of balance or coordination so something I'm working on but yeah basketball I did do soccer when I was younger like very younger but I was never really good at it so no other sports for me though just track really honestly so after that after that um so middle school you quit and you got back in high school. Was there like a moment in high school where you were like, yo, like I'm kind of nice at this track thing. I think I want to take this to the next, I want to take this to the next level. Cause you did some big things in high school, but was there a moment where you're like, I oh, man, I want to run in college. I want to see what I could do after that. Or did it just kind of happen? Uh, there was never a moment where I was like, I want to run in college and be good. Or I want to run after college. I never thought that. The only thing I thought was, I want to go to college and I want someone to pay for it. That's the only thing that's in my head. Hustle. You got out finesse. Yeah. So it was probably the end of junior year. So, like, it's really hard to make it to state in California. You guys know. Super, super hard. I yeah, didn't make yes. it to state up until I only made it to state once my senior year. So, the end of my hey, junior year, um, I got like outside coach and I was just like, I need to make it to state. I need some coaches to see me. And, like, we worked on some speed stuff. And I finally made it to state that year. So it was probably the end of junior year when I realized, when I really was, like, I need to buckle down. And, like, if I really want their scholarship, like, I need to just buckle down and, like, find a new coach and um, get some other different type of training. And because I want to go to college. And I want someone to pay for it. So, yeah. 
And then a really interesting thing about like your high school career is like your freshman year, you got to like be on the team as Corey Carter. And Corey Carter was on our podcast. You guys all know 2017 world champion in the 400 meter hurdles. And like, I think I was actually looking, you guys ran like a four by four together too. And with like the CIF, how was like that experience of having someone that was like, I, I, I bet by what, by your senior year, she was at Stanford, like 2014, she won a US championship that year. So like seeing someone like that, like getting success when you're in high school, like in, in college and stuff, did that motivate, motivate you at all? Definitely, actually the outside coach that I got was one of her coaches her outside coaches other like friend so like okay. i you know and she actually she played basketball in high school she played with my sister um and i know the carters really well and um it was just cool always getting like advice from like other coaches like being around like you get to see like you know when you're running track in high school you just think it's high school and then you get around other people and say, oh, this is not just high school it's like you know, there's elite people at this level so seeing her was definitely like inspirational she was actually uh, she was actually my big sister on the track team I have like notes from her of like good luck at the track me and stuff like that so like she was um, yeah she was someone I talked to a lot about track and I, I saw her at world we still talk every now and then um, but yeah it was cool to like have that experience and have someone that you actually know and you actually know their family yeah and they know your family and like oh like someone that she gave she you know sent me the person outside coach like you know so i've navigated that through her her family so um yeah i was super thankful and appreciative of that relationship so yeah and you said you didn't make state until your senior year (laughs) and you got you got second in the one the one and two that year can you just talk about the magical run because we all we know being from California, you gotta go, you go league pre league prelims, league finals, CAF prelims, CAF finals, masters, state prelims, state finals. Masters, just put that in there. Like, come on, bro, with masters, what's masters, bro? And you ran through that your whole your whole senior year, and you ended up getting second to uh, Ariana Washington, who ended up at Oregon, I believe, and she, yeah, everyone knew about her. She was like you know, crazy big that year, but I feel like you were kind of slept on. But can you just talk about the the growth that year and then like the decision to go to Iowa? How did that all play out? Um, so yeah, like masters, and most people don't know, like there's so many rounds in California state meet to get to the state meet. I never got out of the masters round and it was very frustrating because I would be running 11.8 and then not making it out, but I would see girls like in NorCal running like 12.2, still make it to state. And I'm like, who? But then I would look at like other states, like Iowa or like Michigan. Like these are girls that are in like, no offense, we're in like 12.3s winning state. And I yeah. couldn't even make state meet with 11. Yeah. So I was sick. I was, I was sick. So when I finally made it, when I finally, it was the last go around, I was like, okay, I'm here. Like, you know, Ari was big at the time. Like she was a big name and um, she was, she, she was fast. Like she was good. Yeah, yeah. She was really good. And it was funny because a lot of the, um, I wasn't, so when I got to state, I didn't, ha- I hadn't have like a college picked out already. So like mm-hmm. state meets like most like well I don't know how it's not how it's now but 
Um, most college coaches go to the state meet. So my outside coach was like there. Uh, and um, a lot of coaches didn't know I signed. So like after the two, like all these coaches wanted to talk to me. And I was like dead tired. Just, you know, one just happy to be done with like um, high school. Mm. But I'm like, where were you guys like a couple months ago? I hadn't signed yet still, but I was just like, why are you guys here now? Like, really? Yeah, where were you when I was shooting in the gym? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I had recent times. Like, I think I think I came out of high school running like 11 4, 23 6. Uh, I think before that, like 23, like probably going into state, like 23 8, or I had mm-hmm. recent times. So I, I was in the 24s. I was running like 11 4. I ran 11 4, I think, CIF prelims that year. So, yeah, it was confusing. It was like, where are you? Why is why is everyone here now? Um, I actually there was a jumper here, jumper at Claremont um, that went to Iowa, and he called me up one day, uh, my senior. He's like, "Have you signed yet?" And I was like, "No." Like, he's like, "Really?" And I was like, "No, I haven't signed yet." I had taken a visit to uh, San Diego State and oh Texas Tech. Um, so I just only took three visits, took a visit to Iowa. And for some reason, I liked Iowa. I know I get the question a lot. Why Iowa? <laughs> Why Iowa? And you know, I tell people one, it worked out. So don't be questioning me too much. But two, yeah. um, it's just, you know, it, I like the college city vibes of it. I like my coach that, you know, what he was pitching to me and, what he was talking about with track and uh, it's a pretty I was a really good school to get a degree from so yeah and I kind of a part of me did want to get away from California too um I didn't think I was gonna go that far I mean when I was signing the letters I was just like am I really going to Iowa (laughs) am I really gonna go to Iowa but um you know I did you know there were just I'm a very like I like to feel right about something, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. I have, everyone says this, but I do feel like I have a strong intuition about people, and um, sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're not right, but sometimes you are, but I just like to feel right. There's sometimes you've been in a situation, and you know that feeling where it's just like, I don't feel right, like something's off about this, and I didn't have that feeling with Iowa, you know, I think it just felt right to me, and um it, it was for me so yeah that, that's how i came about yeah. yeah and like you said like it really it really did work out five time the big 10 champion 11 time all-american and you were doing your thing at iowa but then when did it really kind of like shift for you because we were saying you want to go to college you want to get you want to get that paper you want to get the bag and get school paid for when when was it like man, like, I think I can do something after this year, too. Because it wasn't like, in, in college, you didn't have the opportunity to, like, win NCAAs yeah. or be, like, second place, like as you were, like, in state, uh, in California. When was it like, dang, I think I can take this to the next level as well? Um, Mount Sac. Mount, so, Mount Sac is on my birthday. It's usually always on my birthday. Um, I've always loved Mount Sac, so... Mount Sac, my junior year, I just came back from, like, uh, my junior year registered. So, I, the year before, I didn't mm-hmm. compete because I had some, like, hip issues. And 
had to get a bunch of injections and I had some hamstring issues. So I was off for the whole year. The next year I came back, I went to Mount Sac once again, like around my birthday. And usually they put you in like with the pros, like every now and then they put you with the pros. And I, they put me with the pros and I was like, I don't know why they did this. Like, we'll see what's gonna happen. And I beat them and the announcer was like, Brady Brown, unexpected. No one saw her coming. (laughs) Looking at the clock, like there's a picture of me. I have, I see it. I I have the picture saved on my phone. I'm looking at the clock. Honestly, now that I'm a pro, now I understand that everyone's at different, you know, times in their lives. But like Uh that time for me, like I was geeked. Like you know, even though it was their first meet, first or second meet, like I was like. Oh my God, I just beat them. Like, I'm kind of good. Like, I maybe can do this after track or after college. So that was probably the first time I ever, like, really thought about, like, running, like, professionally. So... Hey, and a dove, a dove is a dove. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It ain't your fault that it was their first meet. It ain't, I mean, it ain't their fault. It ain't your fault. A dove is a dove, no matter what. It is, it is, it is. That's why I can't remind myself because I was like, oh, maybe it's their first meet. I was like, no, but you won. Like, whatever. Like, it don't matter. Like, they may have a faster PR. It wasn't like a PR type race, but I beat them. So I was like, okay, I'm feeling myself. Like, maybe I can do this. So, yeah, that was probably the first time I ever thought about running, like, professional track, my junior year of college. I think that's definitely a good measuring stick, too, to be out there and really competing with the pros. Because, I mean, because if you would have, if you would have, like, if you would have lost in that one, you know, that could have discouraged you a little bit, too. Or or you could have just been like, hey, this is, like, my third meet. (laughs) (laughs) But going into that, uh, so after you graduated, what was it like for you? Because yeah, like at World Championships, when you got silver, you were you were unsponsored. So you still like like Joshua said, you didn't win in CAA times. But when I'm looking at it, your career, you, you still had a good career. Like we said, like you won Big Tens multiple times, and you put up pretty fast pretty fast times. You beat pros before, but we were you approached by any groups or any brands for sponsorship? So my senior, I went to after NCAs. I went. To, they had USA's that year. I think it was it Olympic year or World year. I don't know. I, when did I graduate? Twenty eighteen? No. Um, it was USA's that year. No teams to be made. Um, just like other like places where you can represent USA. Um, mm-hmm. I think I made the final that year. I think. Um, but yeah, no companies approached me. <laughs> this, uh, no companies approached me. I wasn't asked to be signed by any shoe company. Um, I kind of already expected that, like, just because, like, which is sad to expect it because I feel like in other countries, like, when I first went overseas, they love you over there. You get dead last. They love you. <laughs> like, they worship the ground you walk on. But. To be a USA athlete, like, if you're not, like, top, 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 you know, number one time in the whole world, like, you know, you're you're not going to get a shoe contract. You're just not. Like, they're not looking for second place. They're looking for, um, you know, people who have the potential to 
you know, who are going to win medals at, like, Worlds and Olympics and stuff like that. So, and not to say that people like that, like, who uh, who aren't first can't, because obviously I did, but... Um, Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like that, but, like, I just, you know, it kind of, like, kind of, like, bugs me sometimes, because it's just, like, you know, it's just, like, the business side of track, and, like, as you get older, you see it, but sometimes it's just, like, Obviously, like, people aren't giving out contracts for potential, but it's just, like, dang, like, you acting like I, you know, ran 26 seconds. Like, I can see him. Yeah. 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 You acting like I never, you know, you know, had a decent time. So, and it's also, like, there's a lot of other factors that come into contracts as you get older. Um, You know, gender is a big thing, like. Um, what school you go to is also a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. don't take that into consideration. That is a huge thing. Like, who you know. It's about who you know. Like, and my coach, like, and I, like, that was our, that was, this was his, like, basically, like, first time, like, having, like, someone who was going to the professional realm and, you know, navigating that space. So, you don't, we don't know anyone. Like, I didn't know anyone. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into having contracts and sponsorships, and um, there's a lot that goes into it outside of track, which sucks because you think you would think it's just like, oh, numbers don't lie, but it's not like that. There's a lot of other factors that go into contracts and why people get contracts. And at that time, people didn't want me. You know? <laughs> I had to do what I had to do. <laughs> when when you're learning all of that and like that was going through your head and you're processing all all these factors. Did it did it ever seem like this was too big of a risk? Like maybe this is too big of a risk to go out here and trying to become a pro. Like if I have to deal with all these politics and different types of things, did that ever cross your mind when when you were chasing that sponsorship? I was just literally talking to um my the, my nonprofit group that we um, I started up and. It's basically to like help like transition. We can get back to it, but like transition like um, mm. professionals, um, collegiate athletes to the professional realm, and how sometimes when you don't have a sponsorship and learning about all these other politics stuff, there is an inherent shame that you have that goes into like um, lacking or not having or not belonging, and there's a shame that you kind of carry with you, and yeah, it was hard. It was. It, uh, that that shame makes you think like the risk is not worth it. That shame makes mm. you think that you know like what's the point? <laughs> like I don't like I don't have this. I don't have that. And you know yeah, there are definitely a lot of times just like is this worth it? Like I came I can't. So after USA's, my I had I got an agent at that time, and um. <clears throat> He wanted me to go overseas. I did okay overseas. It was my first time overseas. Actually, my first meet overseas, I did really bad, honestly. <laughs> but it was a lot of like travel stuff that I was dealing with. Um, I came back, and that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for sure, for sure. I came back to Iowa. Um, I stayed at my friend's house. I, I, and that's the other thing, too. Being a collegiate athlete, you get a check every month. You don't get a check every month. <laughs> you don't get that check. Yeah. Like, so I didn't, and I didn't save up. Like, and that, that's just me being, I didn't save up. I didn't save up for nothing. Like, I was just like, 
luckily, like, I was in USA Track and Field, had, like, this program called TPP, and it helped, like, college, like, um, collegiate athletes transitioning into the pro life. And I was in that, um, waiting for that check to come. But, yeah, when I came back to Iowa to decide to be that 2018, 2019 year, um, November, December, I was sleeping on my friend's couch that first month or two. And then I got my apartment. Um, so I was back in that that hustle mentality we talked about when we were when I was younger. Yeah. Like I was very much back in that mode. Like I had to figure out certain things. I had to get a job. I had to figure out like you know. And <laughs> at the time, also, I didn't have a license either. I didn't have a car. Actually, this will be my first year with my car um, in mm. February. So I got my car February twenty twenty. Um, so this will be my anniversary and my car coming up. So I didn't have, I was making a lot of, and some stuff was that was my fault, definitely. But some stuff, you know, I just wasn't prepared for. And, you know, I was definitely in that hustle mode, you know, trying to figure out and also trying to compete and train and travel and all that stuff. And yeah, it it, it was, it was, I was grinding. Yeah, from the hey, and that stuff really does make you stronger, especially in years in like 2020 when everyone's struggling to remember those hard times that you got through. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to go back on too, when you're talking about all the politics of it, and me and Joshua were talking about this, I talk about this a lot because I feel like for track and field, sprinters are the people that really make our sport electrifying mm-hmm. and me and joshua we're, we're middle distance i ran the eight to the mile joshua's eight as well and we grew up running track and i always feel like there's this lack of sponsorship for sprinters i feel like as a sprinter you have to be like top five in the world to get a contract yeah. where as um a track athlete like I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna put it on a wax, but if you're if you are a collegiate, you could be a collegiate uh distance athlete mm-hmm. and let's say you've never won a championship, but you're consistently like, you know, going to finals and you're the top five, you're if I if I let me say this. If there's somebody out there that was a five time Pac twelve ch- uh champion and eleven time all American and they ran the 5,000 and 10,000, Joshua, do you think they would be signed to Bowerman? Uh, uh, maybe not Bowerman, but... We don't, I'm just saying any club. I'm just saying For any sure. club. I mean, is that not... It would, they would be on flow track every single time they won a Pac-12 title. They would uh, be getting a whole bunch of posts about them. They would be headlining Let's Run. Oh, I think they can take who, it this year. You would I'm know who saying. they you would know who they are, yeah, is what I'm saying. Sure, sure. And they will yeah. get signed. So I mean, I work for running brands, so I ain't trying to put myself in trouble either. But all I'm saying is our running brands, because right now we the big running brands, like um, the big running brands, they do like the ones that's well established, I'm not gonna just say Nike and Adidas. They have all they have the monopoly, they have all the best athletes. And those best athletes are gonna be the ones they're at the top at the Olympics. But like I just feel like some of our our smaller running brands too, we can step up and we can do for these sprinters, these up and coming sprinters, what we do for these up and coming distance runners. I just feel like there's a gap there. And, yeah, that those politics that go into it, it's kinda like weird and yeah you would hope that maybe one day like smaller companies 
um, would see that, like, there's, like, so many sprinters I just know. Sprinters, hurdlers that just, like, really, like, and it's, like, they bring, I'm not saying distance doesn't, but, like, people go, like, I love, like, sprinting events. I love distance events. But, like, people go and watch the Olympics. What are they going to watch? The 100. The 100. Yeah. Maybe the two. But they, they come to watch the sprinters, unless, like, they're, like, diehard distance fans. And there are definitely a lot of people out, like, out there like that. Um, but everyone, they want to see both. They want to see the sprinters in the distance. So it's, like, you would hope that maybe one day, like, these up-and-coming sprinters, like, people would support them just as much as, like, the up-and-coming distance runners. But there is a disparity that you see in that realm. And it is kind of, like, disheartening. They're, like, you know, you just sometimes, you especially when you're in it, and you're just like, dang, like, I'm out here really trying, <laughs> but, like, yeah. I I can't seem to catch a break. Like, and that's where the politics of track where people, like, they, you know, when people talk to you, they're like, well, you ran this. I'm like, it's not just about times. It's really not. Like, I would wish it was, but that's everything. And everything, there's some type of politics in it. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> and not that that's the way it is. I feel like it should be changed. How did, like, USA, like, everyone, how did we let that slip through the cracks? Like, you know what I'm saying, though? If you were smaller, now she got scooped up by Adidas. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. How do we let that slip through the cracks? And as you were saying, people come, people want to see sprints and distance. But, like, we all we all can say this track is a dying sport. And we need to, we need to get more people in tune with it. So maybe if we got... If you, cause let's let's be let's be let's be frank right now. Let's be frank. I'm gonna go on my soapbox real quick. Okay, oh, let's be frank right you. now. Everyone out here wants to talk about equity, you know, and they want to talk about all this equity stuff and, and bringing black people to the forefront. If you invest in the black community, cause I'm I'm gonna be straight, be frank. These distance runners, they usually don't, they usually don't, they're not two black runners. That's why this show is called Two Black Runners. They usually not black. So let's invest in these up and coming sprinters at these meets and stuff. And maybe we can bring more people into the sport and maybe we can bring more people to these brands to buy these, to buy these shoes too. Maybe they'll be more interested in these running shoes. If they see people like them more advertised rather than just the distance runners, nothing against the distance runners. I'm a distance runner, but like the fact that, you know, a world silver medalist like slipped through the cracks without being signed. That's crazy. And I know there's so many companies out there that would have loved to sign you, signed you before that. And you know, and invest in invest in you. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope I hope somebody is listening to this and just take this in consideration for the next person. I ain't trying to put nobody on blast. No, I hope I don't get in trouble. No, <laughs> I, it goes right along with the whole save cleanse and track thing. Like that's the disparity, you know, when we talk about saving cleanse and track, like you are literally purposely in, in, I don't know, maybe in, te- I don't know what the word is, but they're hurting the black community by disregarding or letting go of that program. Just like, you know, with sprinters who are predominantly all black, when you're not giving sponsorship to them, or you're not, you know, supporting them in ways that can economically help them achieve, you know, greatness within their community and in their family, you're hurting us. You're, there's the disparity. Like, it's very clear mm. that, you know, everyone knows that, like you said, with distance runners, like, 
there is some more of a support behind it and and not just for the top ones even like you know the second third class ones so exactly the second third class winners should have that same support and yes they are more black they are they're they're gonna more sprinters are more black that's just true that's just the reality of it so you know fill in that gap i don't know what it looks like but it is a gap like sprinters and hurdlers like it is much more harder for them to get a contract if you're not number one but i promise you if you are number two or three as a distance runner you can you can squeeze you can finagle your way in a contract you can you You're definitely can, gonna get something you're gonna get something like, you'll get something I, i'm just glad this podcast is coming on uh after martin luther king day the day right after i didn't even think great, it, podcast, yeah. great podcast let's do day after martin luther king day let's hey. up let's up <laughs> but also Brittany, i wanted to touch on we have to touch on your world championship experience in doha and just really how that all came about so at usa's you go in you get second place to desiree bryant a great 200 meter finish and then going into doha when you showed up there was there like was it in your mind just before you just went into like the quarterfinals was it like could i possibly like podium in this 200 was that going through your mind at all um No, <laughs> if I'm gonna be completely honest, I I was like, I'm glad to be here. I'm thankful to be here. I want to get through the round, get through the next round, and that's it. So, and it kind of all just fell into place. Honestly, like it wasn't much. Like there was some definitely like each round brought it different, <laughs> different. Like for well, the first round, I found out I was in lane nine or eight, I was on the outside. I was like, who put me in lane nine? Like, really? Like, and I don't, mm-hmm. and I'm, I would much rather be like seven, six, but nine, I was like, yeah, I can't see nobody. I was like, dang, like who, who, who played me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lane nine, first round, like I went out there and I was just like, I can't see nobody. I'm just gonna run my little heart out. And the build up to worlds, I had a PR. The whole buildup. So USA's 22-9. The meet before and men's to Belarus 22-9. 22-9, 22, I think maybe 22-6. No, no, 22-6, sorry. I was running 22-6s literally everything up, you know, before. So I was just like, I, but I was having good practices. I was just like, um, how am I PRing in practice or doing like, t- you know how we do time trials in practice. I'm hitting the time. Yeah. I can't just do it out of me. So... You know, I was, I wanted it and I was just like, the practices show it, so I must have it in me. The first round, I ran 22-4. The second round, I ran, no, 22-3, one of those. Maybe they might mix it up. And then the last round, I ran 22-2. So, I had it in me, because I was showing in the practice. I think it just literally happened all at the right time, at the right place, in front of the right people, on the right track. Um, <laughs> I just think about this, that some days. I'm just like, dang, that literally, I was literally stressing out the whole year about not being hard. Like, how did I keep running 22 six? And that's when you start questioning everything. Like, dang, am I supposed to be here? I'm supposed to be running. Like, am I supposed to be in Iowa? Should I get a new coach? Like, am I supposed to even be running? Like, I can't, I've been hitting 22 six all year. Like, what the heck? But um, last year, 2019, definitely taught me about timing, about like, you know, you like 
I tell people, I tell, like, girls and just anyone, like, trusting your body is super key. Like, I knew that I was PR in practice. I was doing good things in practice. I was lifting heavier weight. I was doing a lot of good things. Even though I didn't show up on the track leading up to it. But um, I just had to trust that I had it. And going into Worlds, like, I didn't think I was going to make the podium. I didn't trust it that much. Because there's, I, think I, think, I think people are like, yeah, I never have doubt. I think that's a lie. But some people don't. Maybe they don't have any doubt. But there was some doubt. I was just like, I don't know. Like, I, mean, I don't know if I can make the podium. But I definitely can make it off the first round. And then after the I, second round, I was like, okay, I can definitely make out the second round. And then third round came, I was like, okay, like, maybe, you know, you know, I might, like, actually make the, you know, the, the podium. So each round, each little thing, you gain a little bit more confidence. So um, to answer your question, no. But after every round, you gain some more confidence. And, you know, even though – before before the final I was having like hamstring issues like all not issues but I was just like hesitant well you know sprinter hamstrings so after um second round the doctor like I I wanted to look at my hamstring because it was tight I was like scared and yada 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 so he did ultrasound on my hamstring it was fine I was like scared the whole time like is something wrong with me he's like no it's fine I was like but I feel something he's like just run. Like, you're fine. Like, he's like, I was like, but what if it's not gonna happen? Just, just run. So every time I see, I see him, like, he just say track and field stuff, and I always thank him, because I'm just like, you know, sometimes you're in your head. So those yeah, people, yeah. you know, the doctor, your coach, like, help you just be like, you're fine. Your hamstring, you've been running at a high level. Of course, your ham- your body is sore right now. You've been PRing kind of like back to back. Like, of course your body's sore. Doesn't mean your body's gonna break down. So, um, yeah, I just went out there and I ran my little heart out. <laughs> and it would make sense that you would be nervous and like second think yourself, like it's your first time like at a world championship, yeah. like that's crazy. It kind of like going through like your story. It kind of just seems like you're just running at Iowa, then you went pro, then it was all like, oh dang, like. I got second at USA's. Yeah. Oh shoot! I'm at I'm in Doha now. Yeah. Wait, I'm I'm finishing second to Dina Asher Smith. Like, wait, what's going on? Like, was that kind of like, was that your 2019? Because looking looking at it, that's how it kind of looks. Everything just seemed to just happening. Like it was it was going down. Definitely, I definitely had those surreal moments. Even like so indoors, I ran the 300, and I, at USA's I had 300 that year, um, and I won. And at that time, I had the neat record for it. And I was like, oh, this is like, okay, like I'm having good. Like, you mm. know, I think, I, I think we all have our doubts, you know. And after, like, yeah. um, the three and then the two when I was wearing 22.6, and then I finally get to, like, Worlds, um, you have, like, surreal moments where you're just like, I actually made the team one. I made the final two. And then I medaled three. And then when they told me there wasn't a medal in the vet in this event since like I don't know I think they said eight eight or ten years there hasn't been a medal mm. since Allison Felix and I was like oh okay like, <laughs> 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 and one of 
on the interviews after, I was like, they're like, so how's it feel to break that drop for the USA in the 200? I was like, I didn't even know. Like, I was just out here running. Like, I, you know, like, <laughs> like, happy to, you know, get back in the podium for the 200. So for USA. So yeah, it was definitely like surreal moments. I definitely like, you know, was trying to take it all in in the moment. And uh, I even remember at World, they're like, "Are you guys after the interviews? Like, are you excited? For, are you excited for the Olympics?" And I was just like, "Dude, I'm not even trying to talk about the Olympics right now. Like, let <laughs> yeah. me be happy in this moment. Like, this is my first big final, the first time I ever made like it. It's my first time making a U.S. team, and I just want to be in the moment. So I don't want to talk about the Olympics. <laughs> so <laughs> next question. <laughs> but yeah, I had, you know, I had some real moments. It wasn't all like." This happened and this happened. I definitely had my trials and errors, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's crazy too. I was just thinking back to like how you're saying high school, when you finally made state, you know, for that first time, you got second and you were kind of slept on. And, it's, and it was like the same thing yeah. when you made it to the world championship. Did you think about, did you have you ever thought about that? Oh, I always think about that. I literally, I always think about how I, I never made a state. I always think about, like, in college, like, you know, like, other, like, running companies or brands that talk about, like, the media with trap, like, they didn't ever talk about me, so I'm like, I'm kind of good, guys, like, I know I'm all the way out here in Iowa, but, like, can someone say something about me, too? <laughs> so, because I think we, we, you know, we do these sports and, you know, we run in front of the crowd. We want that validation. Yeah. We want that recognition. Uh, but the key is not getting caught up with that recognition. Because sometimes people are not going to give you the recognition that you deserve or that you think you deserve, either one. And I think that's what really helped me, not getting caught up in... I was definitely aware, but I didn't let it, like, you know, stumble me in. Because I very well could have been like, no one talked about me. Like, no one looked at me in state. Like... I very well could have did that, you know, be ranting on my social media, like, you guys suck, yeah. but, yeah. I, you know, there's only so much you can do, and the people that care, care, and and it's also reaffirming, like, what I am and what I can do, and, you know, people will see when they see, and they don't, they don't, so, and that's okay, so, yeah, I do think about that a lot, I always think about that. <laughs> I think about too, like how you said that, like you're always in front of these people. Like track is definitely like a performance, especially thinking of just being eight people on the track, definitely for sprints. And like if the lights are on, everybody is watching this event like right now and you're putting on performance for the crowd. And I think that's such a, just a great thing about the sport and having the ability to do that every single time. But also we want to talk about, I know you didn't want to talk about the Olympics in 2019, but 2021, uh, the Olympics are right around the corner, and it really is just an interesting time going back to 2020 and everything that happened. And like we're kind of talking, I want to talk about. We're talking. I told you I want to talk about this earlier, off the podcast. Like in 2020, we got to talk to a lot of distance runners. We talked to some some sprinters too, but we got to talk to a lot of distance runners and talking about how they were going out doing time trials, getting prepared and trying to really like keep on going. And like they did a lot of time trials, to be honest, that were televised and everything like that. But in sprinters, like they had they had the races and everything like that, but and just a few, but there wasn't like it wasn't as as prominent 
as I would say, like the distance running events, because there just wasn't, it's just, it's just hard. I feel like for a sprinter, it's kind of just hard to do this when you don't know when's the right time you're going to peak and really have to go out there and run fast. Could you just kind of like break down like that kind of struggle of like when I'm going to race in 2020 and like how it was hard to figure out like what really was the plan when there was no plan for when racing was going to come, like once the, the Olympics got postponed? So yeah, I was, like I said earlier, like I was like training on the grass, um, training on, like training was just like different. We were trying to figure out a plan and the plan never really came together. <laughs> and it definitely showed, I did race. Uh, I don't really talk about this because I think it's hard to talk about it, but I did race and I got dead last. <laughs> so I had a race at Drake. And I ran the two, and I got last. Um, and it was also like, I think it was hard because you would see people in 2020 like world records, PRs, like I'm doing great, and then you get dead last. So <clears throat> then it was hard because like you know like you see what you see on social media, what everyone's excelling in this year, and you didn't excel. You know, I only, I literally had one race and it didn't go as planned and I was hurt. Like my pride was hurt. <laughs> Actually, uh, after that race, I went to Colorado for like a week because I just needed a break because I was hurt. Like my pride was hurt and I just took some time and just really realized that like my training was different. A lot was different for me. Um... It wasn't as, like, this year's a little bit more, like, you can, like, control a little bit more things with, like, you know, trying to figure out, like, needs and whatnot. Like, nothing was really like that. Like, when I decided to run um, that meet, like, I decided, like, a week or two, you know, uh, before. Mm -hmm. That's never what I do. Like, I never decide, yeah. like, a week, uh, the week of, the week two. Like, I never do that. So, um, yeah. I think I just read a post about that. I was talking about like running fatigue and how like um, it was an article. I can't remember where I read it, but it was just saying how like some runners just are having a tough time and it's hard like, you know, seeing people, especially social media, like as much as it's good. I think a lot of athletes, I'm just talking about this um, with my other board members and we're just like, it's just hard. It's just hard not to compare yourself, especially if something goes bad or wrong. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a challenge and I got last and it hurt, but it's also reminding myself that that racism defined me and uh, reminding myself that a lot was going on. <laughs> a lot was going on for me, like on and off the track. So keep, keeping that in that in perspective. Um, and I always tell myself the first time I went overseas, I got dead last and it was a meet in Switzerland. And I called my coach crying. I was like, I'm not running track anymore. I quit. I can't be a pro. And yada, yada, yada. And that next year, I went, I got second at world. So I was just like, I was telling myself, I was like, Brad, Brittany, maybe this is just a part of your life. You know, sometimes you just have to get dead last to humble yourself. <laughs> and, you know, like, get back to the ground. Oh, humble true. yourself, but also, like, remind yourself that your worth and who you are is not solely tied to this track. And that is okay. 
mindset thing. And that's a daily thing you have to remind yourself. Because it's not just like, okay, I went to Colorado. I had this healing moment. I'm fine. I'm great. It is a daily battle to remind myself that. To remind myself mm. that, you know, this is my profession. This isn't who I am. And just because I got last one time. Or whenever I could get last multiple times, like it doesn't mean I'm a less of a person. Um, yeah. So yeah, I struggled. I wasn't I wasn't one of those people that did awesome and great and was PR and had world records. I didn't have it. That wasn't me. Um, but I did learn some stuff about myself. So I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what's more important. And yeah, we've talked about with the previous guests as well. Like mm-hmm. you can't define yourself by what you do because if it goes wrong then yeah you're gonna just start undervaluing yourself and I definitely think in track and field it can be easy to get caught up in that because it's such a straight to the point sport like oh you won or you lost you ran this time or you ran this time and you just start like really you know you're not a time you're not a place like you're definitely a bigger person than that but we want yeah we want to also talk about you know the things that you're doing off the track um with that nonprofit that you started with the iowa elite uh can you kind of explain what that is and how that came to be um so it 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 came to be um me and some other like professional runners who in iowa have iowa connects we basically want to have like a little more like package for like or support. Um, if you know anything about Iowa, everyone loves football here. Hawkeyes till you die here. And um, but track is really big in Iowa too. Like you know, like and I, I I felt that you know if we had that same type of support um, financially, but also with a network, I think it would be super beneficial. Because I feel like the transition period is super hard and you lose a lot of people in that transition period where they you know whether it's mental physical medical whatever you lose a lot of people when you're transitioning from the collegiate to the professional realm and our biggest goal is to help people who are trying to go pro their first year out setting them up with like some type of grant but also setting up with like businesses in iowa so like uh, a banker, someone who can tell you about finances, this is your first time doing taxes, a tax repair. Um, mm, someone talks about like mental health, um, social media marketing. Like I know social media is very big. Like and for us, like we kind of have, especially track athletes, like we don't have the luxury where <laughs> basketball or football, like a lot of, some of those people don't, aren't on social media. Like, we kind of have to be on it because we kind of have to sell ourselves a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, um, getting that like network of companies and businesses that are in Iowa um, behind them, and also like help them. So not only like the financial piece, but also the um, the network piece. So we hope to give out like a grant and like a network of people at the end of like um, April or May or June before like um, you with uh, Olympic trials. So that was our really goal. I basically like you know, we basically me and other board members like we. Um, we just know what it's like. <laughs> we just know what it's like to not be sponsored, to to be feeling overlooked, and we just want that support for the up and coming generation to know that it's okay, um, to know it's a safe space to talk about these things too. Because 
um, like I said, that shame that comes about. Like, I didn't tell anyone I was working out of jobs. Like, I wasn't like, had a hard workout. Like, just got back from being a caregiver. I was, you know, yeah. I wasn't tweeting that. Like, I, I felt bad. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I didn't want to share that with anyone. Not, not because I thought, I, I, I just, I, I, I felt that I didn't want people to pity me. And I didn't want people to, you know, you just feel bad. It's like people look at you, you're a professional athlete. So um, having those safe spaces for people who aren't signed to a contract. And yes, I am signed now, but I know what it's like. I, I know the nitty gritty. And I've heard stories of people who are in the nitty gritty. I wasn't like signed right as a college. So, you know, that is our main goal of this Iowa track elite to help assist and promote and um, I think that's any goal of any track thing honestly mm-hmm. I think especially in America like like you said track is a dying sport and all these organizations like you know you guys running report American track League, like they're really trying to cultivate like community behind track and it's hard it really is hard yeah, yeah. to buy into track but like track is such a amazing sport and you know I, I will fight anyone to get get their support and you know I, I want people to fall in love with it just as much as you know I have maybe not fully in love but this sport I when I used to like um walk to practice I, like I said I didn't have a car so I used to walk to practice I'm like gosh like my legs have just got me everywhere. I'm just so thankful for my legs. I used to talk, I still talk to myself a lot, but, um, but yeah, I to be like, I'm just so thankful for my legs because they, I, I would have never gone to Doha, ever been out the country. Like, you know, that's one thing that always stays with me, my legs. I'm thankful for that. So, um, yeah, I just want a community and supporting track, you know, not only financially, but with a network of people specifically in Iowa, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, and shout out American Track League, January 24th will be on ESPN. Hey, shout out, shout out. <laughs> and then also, uh, one more thing before we get out to these closeout questions, because like you said, the Olympic year, just like, what would it mean to make it to the Olympics this year? Like, what would it mean to actually get that opportunity to like, represent your country at the biggest sporting event in the world there was a um my little brother sent me i used to have an ipad nano and what was michael phelps's last olympics i don't think 2016 i can't remember anyway um 2012 2012 i think 2012 and um i had an ipad nano i had a camera on it one day I'm gonna post. If I make this Olympic team, I'm gonna post this video. But I look ugly. But in the video, I'm like, I have the iPad now looking at me. I'm like, basically like a monologue. I'm like, Michael Phelps, I love you. You accomplished all your goals. Like, you are so good. Like, I want to accomplish all my goals like you and like make it to the Olympics. I just want to. I love all Michael. Like, now I went on a rant. I'm like, yeah, I like Michael Jackson. I like Michael Bublé. I like <laughs> but the video was basically like I was just I was amazed watching Michael Phelps like win and um 
obviously I watched track too, but like I didn't really at that age I wasn't very aware of like track and like I wasn't into mm-hmm. it as much. Um, so I was amazed. Like I thought it was just amazing. I I I was just like shocked. So it in in the video I'm talking about how like I'm gonna accomplish my goals just like you. Like it's just so amazing that you did that. So, um, it would mean a lot to me. It would, it would mean I would post that video and it would mean, um. I don't know. It would mean a lot. Like it, it, it's kind of hard to put into words what it would mean to me, because you know, like people train their whole lives for like worlds and Olympics, uh, Olympics more so, because it's more bigger and grandiose. But um, not for me and my family and like the people who inspire me around me, like my family and friends. It would mean a lot. So yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm training for Olympic trials. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be rooting for you. We're gonna be rooting for you, especially to make that team in the two. That would, that would be dope. Represent the nine oh nine in in Tokyo. Represent the nine oh nine in Tokyo. Make it get it get it big. But as we close out, just thank you for coming onto the podcast. But we have a few questions that just to get you know a little bit more and just a little bit of fun questions as well as we close out. And I'm just curious, like, are you a Netflix, uh, a books? Or are you more, you like to go on hikes or something? Or are you like, what else, what do you like to do when you're not running? Um, actually, <laughs> I actually just started school again. Um, I'm doing online school. Um, I'm going to get a certificate. It's like a year program. It's called Medical Billing and Coding. Um, so I do that. I volunteer at a daycare because I like kids. Mm. Um, when I'm not doing that, when I'm at home, I'm more of a Netflix. I love a good documentary. Like, I love it. Oh, I feel you. Lend me, like, a... The other day, I was watching, like, the documentary. There's a Netflix on... Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix about, like, the crack epidemic and how, like, it got brought into the U.S. And I was like, the CIA really did that? <laughs> the documentary, like, looking up the files and stuff. I'm like, I can't believe they did this. I'm sick. I'm <laughs> So... And, um, so yeah, I love a good documentary, a good like crime movie, like Goodfellas, Irish Man. Like I, I um, yeah, I like movies. But I do listen to a podcast. I usually read books in the morning. But, um, but yeah, when I'm relaxing, I'm you know, Netflix documentary type girl. So, yeah. I just watched that. I just watched that documentary the really? other day. Yeah, I love. I'm a. I'm all into documentaries too. Oh, okay. so. That was a good. I've seen a bunch of crack ones before. Like, <laughs> there's a, there's one on a uh, freeway Rick Ross. Really? He's on that. He's on that. Yeah, that one's good too. Really? Or you should just watch Narcos. That that show is. It oh, just ties. Oh, I just. Yeah. I never watched uh, Mexico. I just finished Snowfall, so. Uh, I need a. I need to finish that. I started it, but I stopped watching it. I I stopped I started and stopped it too, but I just finished it all the way through up until like the next season that's coming out in February. It's so good. Other than that though, what are you listening to? Like what what's what music do you listen to or what's your top top three artists or top five artists right now that you're listening to in your rotation? Uh I don't know. I listen to like I listen to weird stuff, honestly. Like I listen to everything. Like I honestly listen to everything. Uh, what am I listening to right now? I don't know. SZA. What do you got in heavy rotation? You're n- number one right now. Uh, probably Good Days by SZA. Um, 
Paramore. I, I'm a big Paramore girl. Um, I can play her all day. Um, Toby Nigwe. Um, oh, that's my guy. Um, Toby Nigwe. Yeah. Yeah. I always have my gospel music. I grew up in the church, so if that's I um, I listen to gospel music before I warm up or when I'm doing my work, uh, I listen to gospel. I know a lot of people do, but. Uh, it definitely, I can't be too hyped when I warm up because then I'm like, ah, God, you can calm me down. So, um, yeah. Your, so, you ain't your Fred Hammond? Fred Hammond, um, Kurt, um, who else? Tasha Cobbs. Tasha Cobbs, Kiara Shareed, um, who else? I'm, I, I'm a, yeah, I, I like the old school gospel too. I be listening, I'm like, Vinny, why are you listening to this old school? <laughs> <laughs> Travis Green, I like him a lot. Mm. Um, so yeah, you listen to PJ. You listen to PJ Morton. Yeah, I listen to him too. Like, there's a lot of like um, mm. gospel songs I listen to and artists I listen to. Like, just encouraging, uplifting, and obviously, like, um, I believe in God. So, like, I just I'd be on. But if <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day, like, I was listening to a gospel song and then. My other music came on. My secular music came on. <laughs> Hi, like what the heck? Like I need to <laughs> play this because I'm used to that. And switch up be be crazy. Yeah, like wait, I'm like Spotify. Dang, what? <laughs> I was just talking about I love Jesus. Now we on a whole different topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then we also want to know I think this is also always a fun question if you could have like a late night dinner with someone a deep conversation with five people dead or alive who would it be my granny Maisie um dead or alive oh my Angelou I used to love her poem. I used to know a lot of her poems. She's she's like a woman that you just want to give. I want her to give me a hug. Like I feel like her hug. Like, <laughs> I feel that point. Um, who else? Michelle Obama. Um, uh, I have right now. I can't think of any more. Uh, those are all women too. Dang. But yeah, that's all I have. I don't got any more. <laughs> that's still a good conversation. That still sounds like a good conversation, though. Like, I don't know your grandma, but I think it would be cool, too. Like, sit with your grandma and Maya Angelou and Michelle Obama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we always ask this question to everyone that's on the podcast, because we need some... Sometimes it's hard to find guests. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, who should we have next on the Two Black Runners podcast? Who do you think would fit the mold and be a great guest? Aaron Mallet, he's a hurdler that um, out here. I don't train with him, but um, he's out here. He graduated kind of when I graduated. Who else would be good? Ooh, Gabby Thomas. I'm talking about the people. Okay. I'm not a lot of people. Lena Irby, I kind of talked to her. Um, Ashley Henderson. These are all people that I know. So I think they're good people. I like them. So. Mm-hmm. 
didn't Aaron Mallet he won like a Diamond League race last yeah. year, did he not? He had a really good season last year, so yeah, another good one this year. But yeah, he had a good season in the pandemic. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna hit you up if we need if we need him on. We're gonna hit you up. Okay, well good. Okay, last question. We always ask everybody, like, what mark do you want to leave on track and field once you hang up the spikes? Obviously, like you know, prestige of like you know track and like accolades and stuff, but also like being all of you in your sport. I think sometimes like people are afraid to be um, all of themselves. And I think I still struggle with that too, but you know, there's multiple sides of me. Um, sometimes I feel like people don't want to share that and whatnot, but you can be all of you and um, still be at this level. And yeah, I want to show one of like helping and encouraging and uplifting and um, someone that also helps, like not just made it, but like also someone that helped. And I think I was just, when I was like thinking about like transitioning like from 20 to 2021, 20, the more I do good, the more I can help others. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I just want to be really good because the more I get better, the more I can help anyone else around me who, you know, was at a point or, you know, at a tough time in their life. So I want to be the best I can be so I can, you know, you know, help someone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely, we do appreciate you, Brittany. They're coming on the podcast. It was a long one, low key, but it was a good one. It was a good one. I really, I really do like this podcast and everywhere that we went with this, to be honest. Like, I think a lot of people are not just going to learn more about you, but they're going to learn more about the sport as well and track and field and being an unsponsored sprinter and then going on to uh, a world silver medalist. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Aaron, you got anything else you want to say before, before we get out of here? Yeah, thanks again, Brittany, for just coming on. We really do appreciate it. And to everyone listening, if you listen this far into the podcast, you truly are a day one homie. We really do appreciate y'all. But like Joshua said, I mean, the long ones are always the good ones. So really tune in. There's a lot of gems on this pod. So again, just thanks to everyone that's listening. And thanks again, Brittany, for coming on. Thank you.